If you are interested in simplifying your life and your business, have you thought about automating things? Welcome to Outside the Box with Elsa. Your host is Elsa Palmer Oden. There are many tools that you can use in business and personal automation, including virtual assistants. It's time to take back your time and management. Now, here's your host, Elsa Palmer Oden. Welcome to Outside the Box. I'm your host, Elsa Palmer Oden. I am so excited to do tonight's show with you guys. I want to share some information that will help people work from home. And be able to work independently and away from any type of mask or vaccine mandates. But first, if you do have any questions that you'd like to ask during the show, feel free to call in to 866-472-5788 or send an email to Elsa at ElsaOutsideTheBox.com. So first, I'd like to start with wishing a very happy birthday to actors Christopher Lloyd and Jeff Goldberg. And a happy heavenly birthday to Curly from the Three Stooges. So now today in history, October 22nd, 1907, Ringling Brothers buys Barnum and Bailey. In 1938, now I thought this was kind of a fun piece of history fact, Chester Carlson invented the photocopier. He tried to sell that to IBM, RCA, Kodak, and some other uh, companies. But they saw no use for a gadget that does nothing but make copies. Imagine that today. In 1939, NBC became the first network to televise a pro football game. Brooklyn Dodgers beat the Philadelphia Eagles 23-14. to And in 1973, Dolly Parton's song, Jolene, was released. I think that's a song we all know. So now I'd like to talk a bit about working from home. I live and work in a virtual world, and I'd like to help others be able to do that same thing. Many people either have thought about it or tried it before the pandemic started. After the pandemic hit, many were forced into working from home for their employers. Now that the pandemic has somewhat settled down or subsided a little bit, many people are wanting to either continue working from home for the flexibility factors, want to avoid mask or vaccine mandates at their current employer, or have reasons such as disabilities that keep them from working outside the home or working a regular bricks and mortar type of job. So tonight I wanna go over pros and cons of working from home, how best to work from home and how to be self-employed and work virtually. I have a virtual assistant staffing company and we basically go over different things to help people work from home and do just that. So I have a few of my virtual assistants with me tonight to join us and give their insights and do's and don'ts, tools to use and best practices. For those not familiar with the term virtual assistant, it's an office assistant that works virtually, usually as an independent contractor, not as an employee. Each of the women I have on here tonight have slightly different types of clients and therefore different types of work that they do and different types of insight to be able to give you tonight. So I thought it was really important 
for different types of virtual assistants to give their side of the view of things. So I'd like to go ahead and welcome who we have on here tonight so that we can get a little familiar. I have Julie, who is an awesome bookkeeper. She's my bookkeeper for my company. So I have Julie on here tonight. I have Chris, who's a great incoming call assistant and property management assistant. And Shauna, who's a great web and marketing assistant. So you can see they each have their own types of tasks that they work on for different clients. So let's just kind of start off. Um, Each of you, I want you to basically talk a little bit about why you like being a virtual assistant as far as the advantages it is to you, to yourself, and how long you've been basically doing this type of work. So let's start with you, Julie. Hi. Um, So one of the reasons I even started trying to work virtually, which was back in 2007, was so that I could supplement my husband's income at the time and still be home for my children. And I started out with bookkeeping because I had a bookkeeping degree from a community college. And at that time, um, virtual assisting People did it, but a lot of the bookkeeping jobs that were available were going to people's offices. Um, So I started my own business um, by talking to some people I knew who ran a small business. My sister was one of them and offering them bookkeeping services and looking into ways to be able to do it from home. And that was how I started. And that was my main reason Um, Now my children are pretty much grown. My youngest is 17, but I enjoy working from home because of the flexibility. Um, I'm able to tell my clients when I'm available. I can go to, you know, like a doctor appointment or take the dog to the vet and then be back home in time for an online meeting. Um, I also have a lot of different bookkeeping clients, some I can do their work whenever I want, and other ones I have to be available for them to contact me and do things uh, certain hours of the day. And that's something that we work out when I start to work for them so um, that I can be available when they need me. You basically work out your schedule with what works best for them. Correct. So it's kind of a combination. Okay. Chris, let's kind of go to you. What advantages does working from home as a virtual assistant do for you? How long have you been doing it? Kind of give us your background here. Okay. Um, I've been in the company now for about 10 years doing virtual assistance, uh, assistance before and everything, probably about another 15 years beforehand. Uh, Mostly I got the uh, autoimmune system of RA and it's a little bit difficult to go outside sometimes and do some things so working from home has been a great advantage for me um, so for doctor's appointments and stuff like oh, that yes, the flexibility I, 
Oh, yes. I can. I pretty much set my own schedule so I can go to any doctor's appointments if I need anything. Of course, my children are grown now, but I have my dog children, <laughs> I guess I should say. Uh, they go to the vet or something. This way, I have an ability to do things for myself as well. Be able to take your fur baby, take care of your fur babies, and meet your doctor's appointment. Yes, ma'am. Okay, Shauna, let's go to you. So, what are the advantages as virtual assistant been for you, and about how long have you been doing it? Hello. Well, I've I've also been doing this just about ten years, ten and a half years probably, and uh, I, I worked in the corporate world for a long time before that in the city, and so there's many reasons. I, I was sick of the commute. I was sick of long hours because of the commute added on there. And uh, I was starting a family. So I, you know, you can't just, I just felt like so much of my time was being spent at work. And so it was, and then I wanted to also continue my education. And so to do all this, I, I needed to make a change where I could control my schedule. And I think that is going to be the number one reason for anyone is it's not easy, but it is worth it if you're doing it, you know, for these right reasons. You know, I wanted to spend more time with my family and control my income and my what I could make and choose the clients that I wanted to work with and make my own way, if you will, you know, instead of working for someone else, making a bunch of money, I was working for me and making the money. So that really was my motivation. Which sounds like me as well. And basically my side of it, I've been a virtual assistant since the beginning of 2008. I started my virtual assistant company in 2011 and it, all three of these women that are on here tonight, I've been working with for the last 10 years. Actually, Julie and Shauna, a little bit longer than that from our prior virtual assistant company we worked with. But all three of us have been doing this for 10 years. And like I said before, we all do a little bit different things and we all come from different backgrounds. We've all worked the bricks and mortar world and now we're in the virtual world. And I think we all kind of can agree that we prefer the virtual world. Now, obviously working virtually is not for everyone. Not everyone can handle it with distractions and so forth. What would you guys say that you've learned that's helped you the most from your transition period from the bricks and mortar world into the virtual world. Let's start with you, Julie. So I found that the, one of the most important things for me is to keep, keep a schedule. So I, um, like every weekend, I will look through the client work I have for the week coming up and I actually write out a schedule for myself on a dry erase board that I have in my office. And I make sure that I stick to that because um, it helps you balance out to get all your work done. But it also makes you 
do the work. Like you're not sitting there watching TV and being like, oh no, I have to go start work. Next thing you know, an hour passed and you forgot, you know, you didn't start it and now you're running out of time. If you have a schedule and you stick to it, it helps you get the work done. And I've actually, when I've been overloaded, I've actually looked into hiring um, people to help me. And I found that there are people you can't count on to get the work done in time because they just, they don't do it. And then when you contact them in a day or a couple of days and say, oh, the work's due tomorrow, they're, you're finding out they didn't even start it. And you know they're working remotely. And someone like that is someone who doesn't have the self-discipline to work from home. So basically, you're saying that scheduling and self-discipline, you would say, are the important key things to remember when working virtually. I think so. To get um, the work done on time, I think it's very important. And I can fully agree with that. So, Chris, what would you say was the best transition or things you've learned in transitioning from bricks and mortar to virtual world? Well, commute is a lot less. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Uh, as far as getting into this world, scheduling is the key. Now, I unfortunately cannot look throughout the week because a lot of my clients like to email <laughs> me during the night and say, hey, I need this done. <laughs> So I kind of schedule mine out during the morning when I'm looking at everything going, okay, how can I fit everything into the day? Let me split out what I can. Uh, so I schedule out some time and then basically say, okay, that's all I can do and just go from there. Uh, but you do need to stick to a schedule because otherwise you just don't have time in the day to handle this. Because if you start going, and I know a lot of people cannot do this job because they'll sit there and want their friends to come over because they're always home or they'll do extra work around the house and completely forget about the job. And this is the most important part of working from home is to make sure you are there and ready for your own job. So in other words, don't procrastinate and put it off and put it off and to the point where you never got the job done. You never get it done that way. <laughs> Shauna, what would you say was your biggest thing that you learned in the transition from bricks and mortar to virtual? Um, well, first of all, it's important for people to realize it really is still work. So the most important thing to me is your your office space. You need it to be separated from your family and the things that will distract you. And uh, realistically, we know there are thousands of distractions at home. And um, if you're if you're doing this because you you know you have children and you need to be around them, you've got you know it's just the professionalism has to be there. So I think that setting up your workspace so you're taking it seriously. You sit down at your desk to work and it puts you in the mindset of working so you don't do what Chris 
was talking about, which is get distracted by people who, you know, are like, oh, you're at home, though. I can come over and hang out. And it's like, no, because I got to work. So uh, that and in, in, in a few different scheduling type things, you know, I have a, a manual planner. I still write everything in every week. And uh, I have a couple of online versions of that that I use. I use the crap out of my Google calendar just to keep myself and in the beginning, the timekeeper, because it really makes you aware of where you're spending your time. So if it's like, oh, you spent too much time on Facebook or here or there, you can actually see for a while and it helps you to stop doing that and and spend more time on tasks instead of time on, you know, looking at Facebook or Instagram or TikTok videos or whatever. So those things really help and continue to help me to this day. And I, I can agree with all that. And basically you guys touched on some really important topics. One of which of course is the scheduling scheduling yourself out, whether you can pre-schedule yourself out like Julie talked about or like Chris talked about, well, clients can spring things up last minute and therefore you've got to have to figure out your schedule on a day-to-day or maybe even a half a day type basis because you never know. The other thing is the distractions. If you have young children, You need to make sure that if you're working phone work, that you're only doing it during like nap times or things like that when the children are occupied or quiet. Same thing with dogs barking. If you have a lot of dogs barking, don't be answering a phone call. That's important. You want to make sure you keep your background noises down in your environment. But you also want to keep the distractions down. Some people can work with a TV or a radio on in the background. Other people cannot because they're going to get too tied into watching that TV show. And what's going on with what's going on on the TV versus what they're supposed to be working on and get sidetracked. Also with doing, you can do your basically daily chores when you work virtually. But if you start getting into doing all the house cleaning and laundry and then postponing getting the work done, that's not good either. And one thing that we that they also mentioned was the fact that self-employment. As a virtual assistant, in most cases, now granted, some companies have you work telecommute from home. And that's a little bit different. That's when you're still working as an employee. But when you're working as a virtual assistant, typically you are an independent contractor and you're self-employed. So it's very important, like the ladies mentioned a minute ago, about self-discipline. You are your own boss. What do you want to do as your own boss? I would think you would want to build your reputation and just build your business as it is. So you guys let me know what you think as far as the self-employment part of it goes. What should they really pay attention to and remember about on the self-employment side of this job? Julie? Um, 
One of the things I think is important is keeping track of your expenses, your mileage. Um, I like to pay the estimated taxes for income tax throughout the year, the self-employment tax, so that at the end of the year when I file my taxes, I don't have to, you know, pay 15, 20% of my income um, all at one time. And I think that's important because when you're uh, working for an employer, you know, they're withholding tax for you and making the deposits. And sometimes you don't think of that when you're in charge of it for yourself because the self-employment tax does replace the Social Security and Medicare. Right. It takes place of that requirement of it. Now, you do get to write off a lot of your expenses, but you don't get to write everything off. So you do end up usually having to pay. Correct. Yep. And another important thing, um, and, and just as a bookkeeper, I know this, so I thought I'd mention it. It's very important to have good records of your expenses, like especially mileage. Um, some people, you know, they claim mileage expenses, but the IRS does really expect um, very detailed records for that in order for them to accept it. So just in case you ever got audited, know that you have to have detailed records of your mileage. Well, and of course, the home office deduction, you need to make sure you're accurate with as well, because they are a little finicky about that too. Right. Making sure you're actually reporting the correct percentage of the home used for office and so forth. And also um, making sure that your your actual workspace is only used for work and not personal. Otherwise, there's another percent you can't take. So that's that's true. That's important, too. And most of those software programs that help you file your taxes will, will like, bring that to your attention when you're doing the Schedule C and everything to claim your expenses. And TurboTax is usually pretty good about actually walking you through all that. And I know some of the others do as well. Correct. Yep. Chris, what would you say are points that you have on the self-employment part of things? Well, as far as self-employment, my husband handles most of that, which is great. <laughs> now, we do, of course, now on our end, because he is working on the brick and mortar side, he actually puts his taxes a little bit higher. So it kind of counteracts mine as well because of having to pay in. That way, at the end, hopefully very minimal pay-in or maybe just a little back, um, pretty much even almost uh, till the end of the year because we keep good track of our records and everything. In fact, I did get audited one year. I got that lucky button, I guess, and um, I actually had everything proved. And keeping good records, like Jolie said, is the best. I keep a file each year for each taxes. And I probably go back, I know they say something like seven or 10 years. I don't know if that's correct. Julie can probably tell us, but I probably have 25 years just to make sure I have everything, receipts, everything in there. Well, they're not allowed to audit you past three years. 
So right. you only have to keep three. <laughs> but I'm just kind of scared and I keep all my taxes so that I can prove everything. <laughs> I usually keep at least four years just to be on the safe side. But the IRS says three years. So, well, Shauna, think- what would you say on the self-employment side? Well, I think what these two mentioned were are very important and it's not hard. You can keep a lot, a lot of stuff electronically or on a cloud, but just keep track of what you have because, and, and also look, I think resources, you know, when I first started this, I really, for my state was looking up laws and, you know, there's tons of people who are into it and you can read their blogs and information from them. And I, and I really learned a lot is just doing that research of finding out in your state, for work from home or remote people or or W two contracted people, just what you know what what your state recommends. That's also important because every state actually is different when it comes to um, contracted or whatever you want to say kind of employee. So that really helped me is is kind of learning from the the people that forged on before me <laughs> and learned a lot and kind of put it into some resources that I could read. And I was so grateful for that in the beginning, because this is hard in the beginning when you don't know what you're doing. So I appreciate, uh, you know, this for, for me personally, this company was great because it gave me the opportunity to sink and swim and sink and swim and learn and learn and learn where not everybody has that opportunity. So Look for resources, people. And there's plenty of resources out there. And if you are looking to be a virtual assistant, some things to avoid, well, as a work from home type of standpoint, when you're looking for a work at home job, some of the things to avoid that could be a scam, not it's not necessarily a scam, but could be is for one, if they ask you for money up front, that, that's automatic given that there's a good chance that that's not going to be a legitimate job. The other thing is that you don't necessarily use your social security number when you take a virtual assisting job. And with my company, we used to do social security numbers. But in today's day and age, there's too much of an identity theft issue. So it's best for your protection to show that, for one, you are self-employed. You are your own business owner. Is to go to the IRS website, irs.gov, and get your own EIN number for your own business. Get your identity that way. And then when you fill out a W-9 for any virtual work, whether you pick up your own client or you work through a company, however it is, you use that W-9 with your EIN number instead of your social security number. Would you ladies agree with that? Yes, definitely. Most definitely. You know, I think it really helps protect somebody's identity. And I mean, it's you are reporting to the IRS that you are working as your own sole proprietor, your own business. So I think that really helps in that aspect as well. Now, we are about to take a quick break. And I would just like to 
say, hold on while we take this break so we can talk more about the virtual assistant world. But first, I'd like to take a moment just to recognize our soldiers and law enforcement and their families. We'll be back in just a minute. Entrepreneurs and business owners need reliable, good assistance without the time-consuming stress that comes with searching for, hiring, and training someone. That's where U.S. Virtual Assistant and REIAssistant.com comes in. Their outstanding U.S.-based virtual assistants are trained, have strong skills, experience, and are reliable. They make it easy to work with a rock star virtual assistant so you can reclaim time to do what you need to do and grow your business. They carefully pair you with an experienced virtual assistant who can take care of pretty much any task that doesn't require their in-person presence. From inbound calls to outbound calls to property management and from marketing to websites, they have your small business needs covered. Hiring a virtual assistant is easier than hiring and training an assistant yourself. Best part? It's also cost-effective, saving you up to 85% compared to hiring your own in-house or virtual assistant. Stop doing everything yourself and get your time back by hiring a VA from usvirtualassistant.com. Visit us or call today, 855-2-GET-A-VA. Looking to buy or sell your piece of Southwest Florida paradise? Make your choice a logical one with Logical Choice Realty Group. Sell it faster for more money and less stress. They'll get your home sold and closed. Go to logicalchoicerealtygroup.com and start packing today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Outside the Box with Elsa. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to elsa at elsaoutsidethebox.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Outside the Box with Elsa. I've got three great virtual assistants on here with us tonight, and we're discussing basically working from home, the pros and cons, transitions, and so forth. So next topic I kind of want to go over here a little bit is the tools or software that you feel are the most important thing for somebody to want to need or use in order to work from home effect efficiently. So Julie, what would you say maybe some tools or software that you think helps somebody that is self-employed, independent contractor, virtual assistant? Um, well, for me, I know, especially because I'm a bookkeeper, there's a lot of confidential files that I share with clients. So I think it's important to have some kind of a private um, way to share that uh, using something like Dropbox or ShareFile um, where you can control, you know, who can see it and make the uh, documents or the folders that you're sharing private. And, of course, you would need a password to get in. Um, Another one I use a lot is DocuSign um, for signing up new clients to uh, 
like sign the contract with me and stuff. That way we don't have to meet or they don't have to print it and sign it and scan it back to me. It just goes right through DocuSign. They click on it, they e-sign it and, it, and we both get copies of it automatically. Um, and then of course, some, some form of communicating virtually like Zoom meetings or Skype or Slack or some kind of software like that is also very important. Okay. Chris, what would you say are some of the important tools or software? Well, it's kind of funny. It's been a joke for years now. My most important thing are index cards. <laughs> and I know that's a very odd thing, but I have so many clients. I actually write my client's name on there. What involves their phone number, what I need to basically do for the gist of them. And I actually... It helps me scheduling because I'll put them in order on what I am working on. Now, as far as on the computer, the Google Docs, a DocuSign for tenant issues, um, CRMs like Podio, uh, Slack as well. There's so many CRMs, but we use everything to our advantage as much as possible. Uh, we also use the Google Chat to communicate in between ourselves as teams so we make sure everything is running smoothly for that team. It's interesting that you mentioned communication, which is my one of my pet peeves. Communication is the key to success in anything in life, whether it be business, relationships, it doesn't matter. You're not communicating, you're not going to have success as far as I, I look at it. Very so, true. Very important there, communicating and, like you mentioned, taking notes. Whether you use index cards, post-it notes, uh, notebooks, uh, what I used to use when I first started as a virtual assistant is I had a different notebook for each client. And then I also did like five subject notebooks and each subject tab was a different client. And I did things that way to keep things separate between my clients. So that's kind of how I did it. It's, you know, to each their own as far as what your preference is. But Chris brought up a good point. Use index cards, notebook, post-its, whatever your preference is. And keep those notes in front of you. This way you're not having to be reminded constantly the same thing because you have it in front of you. And usually when you're writing something down, it helps you remember it anyway. So, Shauna, what would you say about tools, software that would be important for an at-home worker? Well, I think this is very, uh, it, it really depends on the work you're going to do. I think each specialties, you know, are, are it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect what you use. But definitely, I was a sticky note instead of an index card and also a notebook person. I still write stuff manually. I don't know why it's a preference. Some people will type their notes when they're on the phone, but I still scribble while I'm on my call or, you know what I mean, taking notes that way. So whichever is comfortable for the person is is good for, for note taking. But there's lots of online note takers that are amazing and list, you know, to-do list type things, um, wonder list, Google Keep. These are all ones that I use 
We'll use a couple CRMs that, you know, when you get your clients, they might use certain things too. So you learn those things and, and use those different CRMs, whatever is your client's preference, because there is a lot of good ones out there. As a marketing person, I use a lot of things out there, uh, pre-schedule stuff with Buffer or, you know, there's Hootsuite and there's HubSpot and there's a lot of different ones so that I can schedule a lot of ads to, or, you know, Facebook posts or Twitter posts or whatever constantly throughout the week. So uh, a scheduler, if you will, I use that a lot. And um, yeah, I mean, there's just, there are a lot of good ones out there. And it, it again, it will, it's going to be a personal down to personal preference, but you're going to want something to keep your stuff organized, <laughs> basically. And that's so important is to keep yourself organized. I mean, you are running your own business. You need to be able to stay on top of what's going on, especially if you have multiple clients being able to juggle it. Um, Multitasking is very important if you want to be a virtual assistant, being able to multitask. That is usually a key thing. The self-discipline and the multitasking are usually key things on that end. When it comes to tools and software, one of the key things I learned when I first started being a virtual assistant, and I think Julie and Shauna, you guys can vouch on this one too, because we all kind of came from the same place, is using Outlook or something for your emails and to stay organized that way. I can't believe I forgot Outlook. Yes, Outlook is a lifesaver if you've got more than two emails. (laughs) It really does come in handy. And being able to, one of the key things I learned is keep your inbox clean. Set up different folders in your email, whether you're using Outlook, you're using Gmail, whatever service you're using, and set up folders. I actually have folders set up for different clients. And this way, I take care of it when it comes into my inbox. I respond, which that's another key thing, is responding within 24 hours to any client, that communicating. But going ahead and setting your, or doing whatever it is that the email says that you need to do, task-wise, or respond with, an answer to something, whatever the case may be. Once you're finished with it, file it away and keep your inbox clean. Don't let your inbox build up with 500 emails, which have driven me crazy when I've gone in to help clients clean up their emails and they've never set up a folder and have tons of emails in there and you got to go through them all. But Keeping your email box organized and that way, you know, and through Outlook, you can easily prioritize it easier. You can in Google too, but in Outlook, you can really prioritize and take care of certain things and then move them. Or if it's something you don't have to do yet, let's say client wants you to meet with them in two days. Well, then snooze that email for two days from now. Or set yourself a reminder for that email. Therefore, it's not sitting there in your inbox. Keep your inbox clean. That's one thing I always learned. I forgot about this. Dropbox 
is another and Zoom. These are two things that I literally use every single day. So those are also beneficial services that are programs and things that you will definitely use working from home. And now Julie mentioned uh, the DocuSign and Chris had mentioned it as well. What another one that's like DocuSign that can do the same type of thing is form sites. And that's just the one that I happen to use. So people can go ahead and sign the paperwork, you know, the client contract at that time through that and it comes through and it's all secured. So that's just another one like DocuSign, whichever, whatever programs you're most comfortable with. So Ladies, what would you say would be the biggest misconception that people have about working from home? What do you think that people misconstrue about it? Julie? Um, I think one time I saw a commercial of someone working at home and they were uh, sitting like around in their pajamas working. And even though you can do that, sometimes... Like, I know I only do that once in a blue moon when I really don't feel like getting dressed, like if I have to do some work on a Sunday or something. But I know it actually makes me feel more like working and kind of having that get up and go feeling. When you get up, you stick to your routine, you get dressed as if you were going to the office. I mean, of course, I don't have to wear a, you know, power suit or anything, but I can wear a t-shirt and jeans, but just getting up and getting dressed and, you know, grooming yourself and everything, it, it makes you feel like now you're going to work. You know, when you're sitting around in your jammies, sometimes you, that's what you feel like doing then is just sitting around. And I think sometimes people think like, you know, you're working at home, so you do what you want and you don't have to get dressed and you can take two hour lunch breaks. And, you know, and even though you could take a long lunch break if you have to or something, like I said, it's still important to stick to a schedule and making sure that you're checking off those things on your list for the day that you want to get done. So it still takes self-discipline. It's not as easy as some people think it is. Like, it's not all fun and games. It's interesting that you say that, because that's true. You can do this in your pajamas all day long. You can do it without brushing your hair. You can do it in your slippers, whatever. But you do put yourself, your whole mindset, in a different psychological type of set when you're just brushing your hair and changing your clothes from your pajamas. You don't have to go through the whole makeup thing and like you said, wear a suit or anything like that, but just the basic hygiene cleanup as if you were going to a job or as if you're going just out in public being that just changes your whole mindset on the whole thing. Right. It's kind of like when you're sick for a couple days and you don't get dressed and you're laying in bed. When you start feeling better, it feels really good to get up, take a shower, get dressed. It actually makes you feel 100% better. And it's kind of like that, I think. I can agree with that. 
Chris, what would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions? Well, okay. If you're sitting at, let's do it this way. If you're sitting at a brick and mortar job, sometimes you're sitting there in that office twiddling your thumbs because you're bored. You're sitting there playing little computer games and everything else, and you get paid for that. At home, you do not. You get paid for the work you do. And that also helps out on the client side as well uh, because they don't pay for that board time. So you pick, get paid for the work you're actually doing, not sitting there going on Facebook, unless you're like it's Shauna putting ads up here and everything. Uh, you don't get paid for that stuff or playing games or anything. You get paid for the work you're actually doing. Very, very true. Very true. Because working from home does not mean you get to sit at home and receive a paycheck. It means you work from home. You have to actually do work at the same time. Shauna, what would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions? Well, coming in on the third as the third person, it's hard to follow up, right? No, uh, it's true. It's not. It's not. Yes, it is. We can't say it's not fun and games in that way. It, what it is, is it definitely is you putting work. You're, you know, you're making what you're putting into it. And, and like Chris was saying, you know, you go to work and you get paid nine to five and that's it, no matter what. And that def, that changes when you're work. So the goal really is to fill your time with as much client work as you can get because you're getting paid for time, you know, for the work you're actually doing. And uh, so that's important for people to know, unless you're getting hired for a company that's paying you uh, uh, that salary and you work remote, it's not the same as working for yourself where you're the one charging the client for time. So, you know, they're not going to pay you for 10 hours if you only actually work three hours and spend seven hours on Facebook or gaming or whatever it is. So you really have to put yourself into the mind of you earn, you know, so the money is very meaningful because you know, you really earn that money. You earn that money with your skill and your hard work and this skill and hard work, it makes it possible for you to do what you want on at the, when you want to do it. I don't have to ask Elsa for permission to go on vacation. I just let her know when I'm going on vacation. You know what I mean? So there's a good, it, there's the pros and cons to, to working in a place and not, and, and also working for yourself. So you, that's why it's not for everyone. You have to decide, is it worth it for you? Because you know, now you really have to work for every cent that you make. You're really working for that, for that dollar. And that, that's so true. So you guys each kind of brought something up. So let me ask you this. How do you keep track of billable time and what typically is billable time to a client? Julie? Um, so you guys were talking about notebooks. Um, I know there's a lot of timers and things out there that you can use, but I... Actually, it is easiest for me and best for me because I take notes on what I'm doing for my clients as I'm doing it. I have a different colored spiral notebook for each client, and I write down the date and the time I start the work and then the time I end the work. And if I have to stop and then start again, I write down those ending and starting times again under that date. And then when I go to invoice them, I refer back to the notebooks, and that way I can give them detailed 
um, descriptions of what I did for the day. Um, another thing is doing the actual work. Like for me, it's actually logging in and doing the bookkeeping entries that, and maybe communicating with the client, spending time doing emails or meetings with them or phone calls. Um, but when you're doing work that's actually for your business, like the time I spent invoicing my clients, that I cannot charge them for. That's, you know, just something that's the cost of doing business for me. Makes uh, sense. Right. Like logging onto your computer is not billable time. Right. Logging into their system would be billable because you're working for them. Correct. Okay, Chris, what would you say is the way you base, basically keep track of t billable time and what would you consider as billable time? Well, keeping track of billable time, I, I'm old school and I use a notebook and I write it in every day on who I worked and how much time. That way at the end of the week, it's nice and easy to make sure and double check everything. As far as billable time, it's actual talk time I'm on the phone. Uh, it's actual doing projects that those clients wanted me to do, going in and making calls to tenants or any such thing. It's anything I am doing that is actual work is billable time. Unfortunately, not looking on Facebook unless it's for a client and they want me to put ads up, then it's billable time. Uh, so you got to basically your actual, actual work that you're doing, reading emails for them. I don't count that as billable time unless I'm actually sitting there composing up emails and something I have to do to send out to multiple people. Um, I'm one of those people that likes to give some breaks to my clients, but then some of my clients I've worked for and with for over 10 years, too. So you kind of get a good relationship with your clients as you go on and just keep billing the way you do to all clients would be the best way. Okay. To achieve everything. Now, Shauna, how do you keep track of billable time and what would you consider as billable? Well, this is a good question because in getting um, feedback from different types of work. You know, Julie does it has a different type of job and Chris has a different type of job and my job in web and marketing is a little different. So I want VAs or possible VAs out there to know that there's a couple of ways you can bill your client. Um, for me, I do a lot of stuff. I keep track the same way these girls do. I keep a track but by, by color. Each client is a different color pen and I track how, how long it takes me to do something. But some projects, I, I you know, I, I charge them for the project. Like it will cost X amount for this brochure creation or this website. And so I, you know, you can also charge or have that, uh, you know, it's a contract deal and it's by the project. So sometimes you can bill that way depending on the job that you're doing. If you're going to be on the phone and doing data entry, they're going to want to know exactly how long it's taking you to do stuff. So when you're doing that, the, the when you're actually doing the work, that's billable hours. And then there's going to be costs for stuff like Julie said that she, you know, that is a cost of owning a business is that you have to 
some things come out of your pocket, right? Like the time that you charge when you're trying, that you can't charge when you're trying to get a client, right? You're having these meetings with them and trying to convince them that you're the one and, you know, that you can't charge. So there's just a few things that you just bite because it's the cost of doing business. Right. So basically not getting on Facebook unless you're actually looking for something for the client or posting something for the client is not doable. And it's not a reason to disappear either, as we've learned. <laughs> In this job, as a virtual assistant, you know, we've, we've all seen things and heard some crazy stories out of everybody, clients, tenants, other VAs, you name it. We've heard some interesting stories. So I do thank you guys for all doing this. I do want to say one of the key things to always remember, and I think you ladies would probably agree with me on this, is never over promise anything to a client. Always under promise over deliver. So don't tell them, oh, it'll take me 24 hours to do this project, even though you believe it'll take you 12, because things can happen. Tell them it'll take you 72 hours, yes. and that way when you get it done within 24, you just made them happy. That's a good, that's a good point. A good point. <laughs> and by working from home like this, you're not under any of the mandates out there. So you don't have to worry about vaccines or uh, mask wearing or anything like that when you're working. Yes. You don't have to worry about being exposed to any sicknesses because you're at home. Yes. Also a good point. So if you work, if you have an autoimmune illness or you're concerned about COVID, whether you've been vaccinated or not. If, and your concern, working from home helps protect you in that aspect. No matter which side of the whole argument you're on. But it does help you be able to keep from being exposed to the flu, to COVID, to anything. And being able to control it yourself. Well, I do thank you ladies for doing this tonight. Is there anything else you guys want to bring up real quick? No, just thank you for having us on here. We're so happy to share our experiences with anyone who wants to know the real deal of the VA world. The true living in a virtual world. Well, I want to thank you guys. You're an awesome team, and I love having you as part of my team at Virtual Office VA. And I love the fact that you guys spent the time with us tonight to do this. I would also like to thank our sponsors, Logical Choice Realty, your logical choice for all your real estate investing needs, buying, selling, investing, and property management services. And I want to give a quick good luck out there to Chase Elliott and Team Hendricks in NASCAR's playoff race this weekend in Kansas. Come on, Chase. Let's go get them. And don't forget to think outside the box to reach your next level of success hopefully as a virtual assistant. 
May God bless you and may God bless the USA. It's been so great to have you join us this week. Outside the Box with Elsa is broadcast live every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again soon. Looking to buy.